Then, that was it. Done with the job in Seoul, one friend gone, a contract finished, visas pasted into my passport. On a plane for Shanghai, I was aware that even though I was leaving, I wouldn't be able to escape myself, nor what happened with Xinhei. I hoped the Chinese and the Mongolians and the Russians would take me out of myself, out of my own head. The time in Korea had broken me in places, and I needed repair. The landing gear dropped, and we taxied to the runway with flutes and lyres announcing our arrival at Pudong Airport. In the early afternoon gray haze, in the places where there was no construction, the land was very green. Beyond that, countless construction cranes perched above the skyline. As the taxi drove farther into the center of the city, the air pollution thickened, and it was hard to swallow. I could feel it in my lungs, my eyes, my throat. Welcome to China, the land of the face masks. I found a friendly, cheap hostel near the old banks and trading houses of the Bund, 55 yuan a night with clean rooms, six bunks per room. It had a bar, a pool table, and a message board with testimonials from people verifying the quality of various nearby entertainment. I had sent out a call for recommendations on Facebook and Twitter before I left Korea and received a few well-informed replies. A friend suggested a neighborhood on Taikang Road in the southwestern part of the city. I asked the lady at the counter to write down directions in Chinese and hailed a cab. Trees on sidewalks, shaded storefronts, fruit cellars, massage parlors, construction sites, a thin layer of yellow dust coated everything and got into my lungs and eyes as I photographed the neighborhood. I had taken some good pictures in my travels, but I would be happy when I filled up the memory card. Carrying a camera prevented me from processing the way the environment made me feel. I resolved to make half of my tours without a camera, unless the sole purpose was to photograph the place. I wanted to walk and to see and to feel, to experience the place through my mind, not a machine. After three hours, I went back to the hostel and played pool and drank at the bar, looking to meet travel companions. Three guys in the back seemed to be getting along pretty well, so I approached them and introduced myself with a handshake. You're not shy, are you? the Englishman said. Next thing I know, you'll be offering us drugs. After a beer, the Englishman and I went for dumplings down the street. Six yuan for eight hot pork dumplings, the kind that required you to bite a hole into the bottom and suck the juices out or they would burn your mouth. We took them back to the hostel in plastic bags and styrofoam containers, bicycles and motorbikes passing us on the crowded streets and dusty alleys cluttered with signs and construction. The three guys I met had all been in that hostel for a month, not sightseeing, just hanging out on their laptops during the day, eating dumplings and drinking with the travelers at night. The Finn played old American R&B on the bar speakers, and at the same time, they all wanted to argue about America. They had been harboring their grievances, and now that they had American ears, they wanted to make them known.
Yeah, America's really great at fucking up the whole world, the Englishman said. Hey, what's more obvious and unoriginal than a European hating America, I asked. It's your country that's been destroying the world. We might be bad for the environment, but at least we're not trite. And if you hate us so much, why are you all listening to American music? These guys weren't going to be my traveling companions. We wouldn't be taking any trips together. The next afternoon, the Finn, nursing a beer for his hangover, came over to the table to teach me the rules of a card game he said I needed to know when I got on the Trans-Siberian Express. We spent about 15 minutes clearing the air between us, then he left for Indonesia.